In general, when companies talk about their businesses, they like to talk about how well they're doing, how great their products are. It's rare for them to admit mistakes. Anytime bad news comes out about a company, the stock price falls. And so usually companies try to couch any kind of bad news with a positive spin. So it's unusual to hear them talk in great detail and at great length about all the things that they tried and failed. But one company is doing exactly that. It's talking publicly about its failures in great detail and at great length. People don't like to say weakness because it sounds bad, but we had some weaknesses. Every meeting, there was something new, uh, a new problem that we're trying to uh, resolve. But ultimately, I felt like I had failed. Those are the words of current and former executives from Altria, the maker of Marlboro cigarettes. Altria is currently on trial. Regulators allege it violated antitrust laws when it shut down its own e-cigarette business and invested in rival vaping company Juul. And this trial is why Altria's admissions of failure are coming out. Its defense is that its own e-cigarettes were lousy. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbaugh. It's Friday, June 25th. Coming up on the show, how the largest tobacco company in the U.S. is spilling its secrets to save a deal it bet its future on. This episode is brought to you by Mercury. There's an art to making the complex feel simple. Everything should be in sync so that even the smallest part serves a bigger purpose. Simplicity can transform your business operations. That's why Mercury powers your financial workflows from the bank account, giving ambitious companies like yours the precision, control, and focus they need to perform at their best. Apply in minutes at mercury.com. Altria's business is huge and lucrative. It brought in $26 billion in revenue last year, mostly from selling cigarettes. But for a long time now, Altria's been trying to make a cigarette alternative. Altria saw the writing on the wall a long time ago. Cigarette sales in the U.S. have been declining for decades. Fewer and fewer people smoke each year. Our colleague Jennifer Maloney covers the tobacco industry. Altria started in the 80s to develop an alternative to cigarettes, because even back then, there was growing awareness among consumers that cigarettes were not good for you, and some people were looking for less harmful alternatives. So for decades, Altria experimented with different ideas. In the 90s, they came out with a device that heated tobacco but didn't burn it. It just heated it up and you could sort of inhale the vapor. The next thing they tried in 2006 was a pouch of tobacco that they marketed to women, cigarette smokers. The idea being that you didn't have to chew or spit. It was just a pouch that you tucked in your mouth and they thought that women might go for it. They totally didn't. It was a failure. But in 2013, Altria landed on a technology that the company thought had a lot of potential. And that was the e-cigarette. 
Altria's first product was called a Siga-like because it looks so much like a traditional cigarette. It was designed to look and feel as close to a cigarette as possible. It was long and skinny and cylindrical, and it had a little light that lit up at the end like the glowing embers of a cigarette. It heated a liquid that contained nicotine, and you inhaled the vapor. E-cigarettes would be Altria's big bet on the future. Altria was really excited about e-cigarettes. They were investing a lot of money in both developing their own e-cigarettes and also acquiring um, other brands on the market and startups. They very quickly became a market leader in cigalikes, and they pointed to this a lot. They also talked about how they wanted to become a market leader in e-cigarettes overall. But a competitor emerged that blew Altria's e-cigarettes out of the water. And that was Juul. In 2017, Juul's sales took off. They had this sleek device that looked like a USB drive, and it was just incredibly popular. As sales of Juul skyrocketed, cigarette sales started to decline much more steeply than they had been declining previously. Altria realized that they had invested in the totally wrong form factor because Juul's device didn't look anything like a cigarette. It looked like a USB stick. And all of Altria's e-cigarette eggs were in the wrong basket. Instead of going through the arduous regulatory process of getting a competitive product approved, Altria did what big companies often do. It teamed up with Juul. In December 2018, it bought a stake in the startup. Investing in vaping, tobacco giant Altria is looking to take a stake in e-cigarette company Juul. Altria reportedly closing in on a deal to buy 35% of Juul Labs. Altria has been trying to break into that market with e-cigarette products of its own, but it has not really been able to make a significant dent. Um, Regulators had to review this deal. And when the Federal Trade Commission started looking, it noticed that Altria had done something curious. Shortly before taking a stake in Juul, Altria announced that it was halting sales of its own e-cigarettes and shutting down its e-cigarette business. And why would regulators be interested in that? Yeah, we knew at the time that they were in talks with Juul. We had reported that. So they're in talks with Juul. They announced that they're shutting down their e-cigarette business. And then Altria bought a 35% stake in Juul. So as an outside observer, I was like, oh, that's why they shut down their e-cigarette business, because they're taking a stake in Juul. And it turns out antitrust officials at the FTC had a similar thought. If Altria had promised to shut down its e-cigarette business before investing in Juul, that could have broken antitrust laws. So the FTC investigated, and in April 2020, the agency sued Altria. The FTC alleged that the companies had broken antitrust law by entering into an illegal side deal. They alleged that Altria pulled its e-cigarettes off the market at the request of Juul in order to take a stake in Juul. So last year, the FTC sued to force Altria to divest its stake in Juul. Is that because it's a minority stake? Like, if they had acquired Juul as a company, they probably would have merged the operations and maybe its own brands would have fallen by the wayside. Well, if they had merged, the products probably still would have existed in the marketplace, at least for some time, right? 
they would have fallen under different ownership. So there are different ways to get around antitrust concerns. One solution might have been that Altria might sell those e-cigarette brands to another company so that they could keep them in the marketplace. Or maybe they could have you know, given them or sold them to Juul, and then Juul would keep them in the marketplace. But in this case, they took them off the market altogether and sort of reduced the number of competing products in the market. So this trial kicked off at the beginning of this month. What evidence has the FTC brought to support its allegations? The FTC has pointed to emails and text messages that went back and forth between the negotiating teams of the two companies. And they've also pointed to some term sheets that were exchanged between the two negotiating committees. And specifically, there's one term sheet in which Jewel proposed a series of scenarios of what might happen with Altria's existing e-cigarettes. And it said they could be sold, or if that didn't work, Altria could give them to Jewel. And if that didn't work, they could be shut down. The FTC has pointed to that option C in this one term sheet to say that, look, Jewel proposed that you know, if A didn't work and B didn't work, then they would have to shut down their e-cigarette business. And that's what Altria did. That's the FTC's smoking gun. Yeah. Jewel says it didn't see Altria's e-cigarettes as a threat, and it didn't ask Altria to shelve them. And Altria says that shutting down its e-cigarette business was never part of negotiations with Jewel. It says the reason it stopped making e-cigarettes was because products like those Sigalikes had been failures. Is that what they said in court? Yeah. They said it over and over and over. That's after the break. This episode is brought to you by ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. Enter ServiceNow. It puts AI to work for people, for employees, for developers, and even your customers, removing frustration and supercharging productivity. On our intelligent platform, AI isn't just a promise. It's happening today. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Tap the banner to learn more or visit servicenow.com slash AI for people. This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. Over the last three weeks, one Altria executive after another has been called to the stand, and their testimony has revealed unflattering details about the company's many attempts to gain traction with e-cigarettes. Like with one product it rolled out in 2018, called Elite. It was supposed to be Altria's answer to Juul. But Altria bungled the launch. In court, Altria Chief Operating Officer Jody Begley described what happened. He got on the stand and Altria's attorney, Altria's own attorney, asks him to describe in detail 
this disastrous launch of an e-cigarette that the company had pinned a lot of its hopes on. And he had to sort of walk through in detail how the whole thing imploded. Very soon after it went on sale, Altria started hearing from 7-Eleven, which is the biggest convenience store chain in the US, and also from McLean, which is a really big cigarette distributor that works with Altria. And they were both super upset with Altria because the retailers were getting inundated with consumer complaints on this new e-cigarette because it was leaking nicotine liquid on their hands and even in their mouths. Ew. You've got uh, two of your largest uh, trade customers who are hearing uh, the feedback directly from consumers. They're not there to be customer service representatives, and they got frustrated that uh, consumers taking uh, the frustration out on them um, when it was really our problem. Jody Begley, Eltria's chief operating officer, said, I viewed it as, as worse than any other odd product that I had seen leaking issues reported. And I have to tell you, it was a real impediment. When you heard that, what did you think? It was surprising to me that they would put something on the market that was so faulty. It turns out they did get an indication that there was a leaking issue, but they put it out anyway, and they figured that they would just fix it as soon as they could. But the result is that you have all these consumers that are trying something new for the first time, and they open it up, and it's like leaking in the package. It's really hard to recapture people when their first impression is like gross. This is all new information to you that is coming out at the trial. Yeah. I mean, I knew that Altria's e-cigarettes hadn't performed well in the marketplace. You know, they, their sales had not been strong. And that was part of their justification for spending $12.8 billion to take a stake in Jewel. But I didn't know how hard they had tried and how many times they had failed. I didn't know how much money they had thrown at this, like hundreds of millions of dollars, multiple products. Like I learned about products that they had never even launched. Another thing Jennifer hadn't heard before was how these failures played out in the boardroom. Altria's former CEO, Howard Willard, was questioned by attorneys about a board meeting in August 2018. He'd had to deliver a difficult update about the e-cigarette business. And do you recall uh, someone providing the board with an e-vapor update in around August 23rd, 2018? Yes, I do. That was one of the uh, topics on the agenda. The meeting took place at Altria's Marlboro Ranch in Montana. And Howard Willard has to go before the board and explain to them how and why their e-cigarette business was failing and why the new elite e-cigarette product that they had launched that year that they had such great hopes for was a total flop. Why the e-cigarette business was losing $100 million a year and why the future prospects for their e-cigarette business were dim. And Altria's attorney asked him how it felt to be standing before the board in that moment. Mr. Willard, tell the judge how it feels to be the CEO of a company and reporting to your board the products that you hoped would be successful did not appear to be successful. It didn't feel very good. Um, uh, you know, obviously we work really hard uh, to come in and talk to the board about the successes that we've had and 
to show the results that um, we've been able to uh, turn up that, uh, that met our expectations. This represented a failure to deliver against some of our objectives. And then she said, at the end of the board meeting, was your board happy with you about all the great news that you were telling them? And he said, he said that they very much wished that we had had more success. And they were, I think, frankly, frustrated. Did you understand that or share that frustration? I did. Uh, I shared that frustration. And frankly, I was fairly confident that at the end of that presentation that uh, they would frustrate us. What was your reaction to hearing that? I was amazed because those are the kinds of questions that I like to ask. <laughs> so to hear Altria's own attorney asking him how it felt to be standing before the board, it was amazing. Altria says all this testimony explains why it abandoned its e-cigarette business. Because that business had been a total failure. But the FTC challenged that argument. FTC attorneys said, now Altria will give you a whole bunch of excuses and reasons why they took their e-cigarettes off the market, and we don't believe any of them. Those are all pretexts. Outside of the courtroom, sort of people who are in the industry who are following this, what's the reaction to this defense? Does it have credibility or does it seem convenient? A lot of people have been responding by saying, yeah, those e-cigarettes really did suck. And I spoke with an expert in antitrust law. She pointed out that big companies often minimize their strengths when defending against antitrust allegations, but it's unusual for a company to criticize its own products to this extent. And the fact that Altria is willing to cast itself in such a negative light might help its case seem more credible. The idea being that they wouldn't put forth such a denigrating narrative if it weren't true. What would it mean for Altria if it had to unwind the deal with Jewel? And this back to square one, right? Like it's tried for years and years and years and years and has thrown now billions and billions of billions of dollars at having a future in the e-cigarette market. And for the deal to be unwound, it has to start over. Would it try to go shopping and buy another e-cigarette brand? Would the FTC allow it to do that? So, you know, for now, Ultra is okay. They're selling enough cigarettes. They're making enough money to satisfy their investors. But the long-term future of Ultra is really a big question mark. And if their deal with Jewel is undone, there's a big question about what its future will be. Altria's trial is still underway, and a ruling isn't expected for several months. That's all for today, Friday, June 25th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Your hosts are Ryan Knudsen and me, Kate Limelaw. Our show is produced by Katherine Brewer, Pia Godkari, Martin Kessler, Annie Minoff, Laura Morris, Afif Nasuli, Ricky Nevetsky, Enrique Perez de la Rosa, Sarah Platt, Willa Rubin, Matthew Sherman, Annie Rose Strasser, and John White. Our engineers are Griffin Tanner, Nathan Singapak, and Matthew Bull. Our theme music is by So Wiley. Additional music this week from Peter Leonard, 
Bobby Lord and Blue Dot Sessions. Fact-checking by Nicole Pasulka. Thanks for listening. See you Monday.